All right, I want you to notice in verse 7 of Second Chronicles chapter 16, it says, At that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him, Because thou hast not relied, or because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, He delivered them into thine hand. So we see Asa, he's somebody who was considered a good king. If you just go back into chapter 14, when he becomes the king in verse 2, it says, And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For most of Asa's reign, he was a very good king. He uh, followed the commandments of God. He relied on the Lord. And here, towards the end of his reign, he goes and he finds himself in a tough situation. And he's been in tough situations before. He brings up, hey, the Ethiopians, the Lubims, they were a huge host. And you know what you did? The prophet's telling them, hey, you relied on the Lord then. And God delivered them out of your hand during that time. But now you went and you've trusted in others. You've gone to others instead of the Lord. And God was not... He was not pleased with this. And then notice what he says in verse 9. This is what I want to focus on. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. And we see a few years later, Asa didn't even learn his lesson. Here he finds himself, he's diseased in his feet. You know, God wasn't done with them. He could have still done some good things. He said, you're going to have wars. But you know what he could have said? Well, you know what? I'm going to at least get it right. And when those wars come, I'm going to rely on the Lord this time. But he didn't. And then he ends up getting diseased in his feet. He doesn't go to the Lord. He ends up going to the physicians. He ends up dying as a result of it. And we see uh, an end, a quick end come to a man who for years had been a good king because he quit relying on the Lord. But this prophet, he, he mentions something in here. How the Lord, you know, he's, his eyes are looking to and fro through the earth. He's looking for someone whose heart is perfect toward him. Somebody that he can show himself strong in. And you know what? I believe that God is still looking for people like that today. I believe the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro through the earth looking for a church that whose heart is perfect towards Him, so He can show Himself strong. God is a powerful God. He is a God of might. And God wants to, you could say, show off His strength to the world. God wants to show off His power, but you all understand, God wants to use us. God wants to use people. God wants to use churches to show Himself strong. And so He's looking. And you know, when I see that in the Bible, and I'm picturing God looking through the earth, God, and I believe it right now, I believe God is looking for churches, God's looking for people that He can show Himself strong. And you know what that makes me do? It makes me want to say, can we be that one? Hey, can we volunteer for that? As an individual, I want to do that. I believe God's looking for preachers and God's looking for pastors that He can show Himself strong in. And if I know that God's out there looking for somebody, you know, I want to be like that kid in school, you know, when the teacher's looking for a volunteer, somebody, you know, and everybody's raising their hands. Oh, pick me. You know, pick me. God's saying, I want to show myself strong in somebody. Hey, can that be me? Let that be me. I believe God wants a church like that. And I want our church to be that church. And so, but at the same time, God's not just going to pick the one who just puts his hand up first. It turns out God's looking for somebody 
who has the right kind of heart. God's looking for someone whose heart is perfect towards them. Right? Not, and God's not asked to talk about sinless perfection here. But perfect, it means complete. Alright? It just means full. You know, it's something that, you know, where our, our heart is wholly fixed on pleasing God. It's perfect towards them. And I do, I believe God wants to show Himself strong. So what do we need to do? What, how, what's the way we can check our heart out to make sure it's right? And if it's not right, what can we do to get our heart right? That way we can raise our hand and say, Lord, pick me. And He'll actually pick us and use us and show Himself strong. That's what I want to see. So what do we need to do? Well, first off, one thing we see that Asa didn't do that God was not pleased with is Asa wasn't relying on God. He wasn't trusting God. Asa had some battles that he needed to fight. And instead of relying on the Lord like he was supposed to, he starts relying on others. And we need to trust God to fight our battles and to overcome our obstacles. And if we're going to have that heart that's perfect, because if, if we're going to be a great church, if we're going to do great things for God, y'all understand, it's not just going to happen without a fight. It's not going to happen without the devil stepping up and trying to stop it. Okay? Part of God using us and God doing great things means we're going to have some great oppositions. It means we're going to have some great obstacles that we've got to overcome. And you know what? We'll be fine. We'll be fine with battles as long as our hearts are right. As long as our hearts are perfect. As long as we're relying on the Lord to do that. So how can we prepare our hearts for that? How can we get our hearts ready to, uh, for these battles. We'll turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, because this is something we, all, we always need to be working on our hearts. We always need to be trying to prepare our hearts for things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I don't often like that verse. I'm just going to admit it right now. When we were at the conference in Orlando, there was this nut job street preacher out there preaching a bunch of garbage, trying to disrupt the meeting and everything. And, you know, I went and tried to argue, but you can't argue with the guy with the bullhorn, all right? You know, the guy with the bullhorn is always going to be louder than you are. And, and these guys, that's what they do for a living. They go out and they agitate people, they stir people up, and they argue. Uh, that, that, that's what they do. But I remember I was telling one of the guys, I was like, you know, I know the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but I'd sure like to use some carnal weapons right now. And I'm thinking, you know, you know my right and left leg, law and order, you know, or... I, or my right and left leg, you know, one's Walker, the other one's Texas Ranger. You know, so I, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to fight the battle that way sometimes. You know, it's like, you know, would it be a sin to just go beat the guy up? I know it'd be a sin, but it sure would be fun sometimes. And and our flesh says that, but um, you know, you can't do that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And then, but look what it says in verse five. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know where we lose most of our battles is we lose them in our heads. That's where we lose them. And if we're going to be relying on God and trusting in God, we've got to cast down imaginations. So what, what are you talking about? Well, it's amazing how many things that come up in our life that we think God can't handle. It's amazing how often we find ourselves up against a challenge that we see many examples of in the Bible that God overcame, but yet we let them defeat us. Why do we let them defeat us? Is because we, we do it in our minds. We faint in our minds. You know, we're, we'll think that some heretic nut job is going to, you know, defeat us. 
You know, we'll let the words of someone else get us down and defeat us. Somebody criticizes us and we'll let that defeat us. Really, just somebody's words are going to defeat us. We're going to be, how could that happen if we let it? We let it in our mind and we've got to learn to cast down those imaginations. And it is, it's amazing the obstacles we think we can't overcome, even though we've read the story about how God parted the Red Sea in the Bible. We all know that story, yet we let every little thing stop us. Why? It happens in our mind, and we've got to learn to remove causes of doubts in our life. And one of the things that means, we need to stop listening to the faithless. If you're just surrounding yourself with a bunch of doom and gloomers, a bunch of Debbie Downers, a bunch of people that just have no faith, you know what? Get away from that. Get away from people like that. Don't talk to people like that. Don't surround yourself with that foolishness. It's amazing how many people today are discouraged because they've surrounded themselves maybe with a bunch of fools on social media. People always just, you know, talking down everything and just speaking against them. We've got to learn to cast down those things. And if people are putting doubts in your minds, if people are causing you to not have faith, you need to get away from those people. You need to stop listening to what they have to say. Some people today, they're constantly tormenting themselves with what they watch on television, with what they watch on the news, or what they're watching on the internet. You've got to learn to cast those things down. If they're causing you to not have faith, you need to get it out of your life. Don't bring things into your life that cause doubt. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. All right, being careful. We're talking about being worried or caring for things. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren. So how are you going to do this? You know, it's real easy to just tell people, don't worry. I'm sorry, I have to worry. The problem's there, you know. I'm sorry, how can I not worry? How can I not think that we're about the end of the world, you know, when I'm watching the news? You know, have you seen all the bad news? No, that's why I'm not worried. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, if you're watching these things all the time, you're going to be caring for these things and we'll torment ourselves with these things. And the Bible's telling us not to be worried. Well, if we're not going to be worried, that's easier said than done. There's some actions that we've got to take. Uh, we've got to take. And it says in verse eight, it tells us how. So finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You're not going to find any of those things on the television. You're going to have a hard time finding it on the internet. The vast majority is the absolute opposite of every one of those things. And he says in verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So that means we've got to stop watching all the other junk and we've got to start getting ourselves and surrounding ourselves with people that are doing the right things. Let's surround ourselves with people who are not faithless. Let's surround ourselves with people who are keeping the commandments of God and are actually putting these things into practice. Hey, if there's somebody you know out there, they're a person, they have great faith. They don't seem to be worried. They seem to be getting victory in your life. You know what you need to do? You need to watch that person. You need to get around that person. You know what? Hopefully church is a place where you can find people like that. And that's why we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we're supposed to exhort one another. And so much the more, as you see today approaching, we're supposed to provoke 
one another to love and to good works. When was the last time you got provoked to love and good works? You know, out in the world. When was the last time you got provoked to love and good works from watching television? When was the last time they provoked you to just go do something good? All right? It's not, it's not going to happen. When was the last time you got provoked to love and good works at the bar? Okay? And there's plenty of places that we just have to go, like where you work. But when was the last time on your job you got provoked to love and to good works? Okay? Usually you get provoked the opposite there. Okay? And we have to do those things. So we've got to be going somewhere. Well, you know what? Church ought to be a place for that. And maybe if we would surround ourselves with the right kind of people, it would help us remove doubts. It would help us cast down those things. And we wouldn't be an Asa and go into everything except for God. Fight our battles. God wants us to have a heart that is perfect. And if you do, I, all of us in here, if I said, would you like the Lord to do something amazing in your life and show Himself strong in your life? Well, sure. But He's looking for somebody whose heart is perfect towards Him. Now, how many of you are willing to get your heart right? How many of you are willing to clean up your heart and get the junk out of your life? That way, when you're raising your hand, God will say, all right, I pick you. Because He's looking. But He's looking for the person with the right kind of heart. So you've got to follow those who've shown evidence of faith in their life. And that's why Paul said, things you both received and learned and seen in me do. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, now, being, being brave, being bold, trusting in God, alright? Well, let me just park here for a second. All right? You hear a lot of just foolishness out of people's mouths that just, you know, irrit- it irritates me sometimes. But one of the dumb things I hear from people is, you know, I'm a gun owner, alright? And I like, I like guns. I'm all for guns. But I get aggravated. And if you don't have guns, you know, I guess that's your business. But please don't tell me that you don't have guns because you're just trusting in the Lord to protect you. Alright? That fries my gizzard. Alright? That right there is just a foolish statement when you say, I don't have guns because I'm trusting in the Lord to protect me. That's foolishness right there. Okay? It's like these people who say, well, I, you know, I don't save any money because I'm just trusting in the Lord to provide for me. Hey, you know how we trust in the Lord? We do what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? Go to the antel slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. Having no guide, overseer, or ruler. Provideth her meat in the summer. Okay? And he's talking about, if you read that whole passage, the principle there is, you know, we're supposed to prepare for the future. I don't know if you all realize that we're all going to get, you're, you're going to get old one of these days if you're not there yet. You're not going to be able to work like you used to. You're supposed to think ahead. The Bible says these things are going to happen. And there's nothing wrong with doing a little planning and a little bit of preparing The Bible has told us that we're going to have obstacles. He's told us that we're going to have battles. And He has not called all of us to do like they did on Joshua the Battle of Jericho and just go march around walls. Sometimes He actually wants us to fight. So look what it says in Ephesians chapter... I lost my spot. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. He said, put on the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why don't I, why do I need armor? I'm just going to protect God to protect, you know, trust God to protect me. Well, here's how you trust God. You do what he said. He said to put on some armor. So put on the whole armor of God. So you'll be able to stand. Why? Because this battle is going to be tough. He's going to hit you. You're going to get hit sometimes. So you need some armor so it won't hurt as bad. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Why can't we just trust God to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked? Because God said, I want you to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and I want you to do it with the shield of faith. So, and he said, and he said get that one above all. Verse 16, or 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. It looks like we're supposed to fight back with that sword. Which is the Word of God, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It looks like God wants us gearing up for a battle. It looks like God wants us preparing. And you know what? If we're prepared, we don't need to be afraid. And I, I've heard this illustration before. I didn't come up with this one, but a state trooper one time pulls over a 95-year-old woman. He looks at her driver's license, notices that she has a conceal and carry permit. So the police asked her if she has any guns. She said, yes, I've got a 45 Smith & Wesson in the glove compartment. I've got a 357 Magnum in the console and a 38 Special in my purse. And the trooper said, what are you scared of? She said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. You know why? Because she was prepared. She was prepared. And you know what? If we'll take these things like that shield of faith, we won't have to be scared. But these people that have this attitude, well, I'm just trusting in God to do it all for me. You know what that is? That's an excuse because I want to do nothing. I want to do nothing. So I'm just going to go whistle in the dark and act like everything's all fine. Even though the Bible told us, hey, there's wicked people that are out there. There's murderers out there. There's some horrible people out there that will do horrible things. So you know what? You're, you're not not having faith when you carry a gun. You're, just, you're trusting the Word of God because the Bible teaches there's wicked people out there. There's people that, we need that, that would harm us if they could. There's reprobates out there and there's nothing wrong with you protecting yourself. And when you do all these things... When you prepare yourself, then you don't have to fear because you've done what God has told you to do. You And you're able to actually have faith. So protect yourself. That will, that will help you get your heart right. But notice, once again, the weapons aren't carnal, but that shield of faith is the most important one. That's above all that it's said to take. And if we do that, we'll be able to quench those darts and you'll be ready and your heart will be prepared. God's not going to use us if we have a heart of fear. And God's not going to use us if we have a heart of foolishness and stupidity and thinking that we have nothing to worry about, to think that there is going to be no battles, and to think that God's just going to do all the fighting for us when God told us to take the sword of the Spirit, when God told us to take the shield of faith. God told us to do all these things. God told us to put on the armor of God. God didn't, when God didn't just save us so He could just like... You know, stick. It's not like the Christian life is not necessarily like a roller coaster. I always tell my kids when they're scared of getting on a roller coaster, like you just have to have the courage to get in. After that, you have no choice. You're going to go through those ups and downs and loops and all those things, whether you like it or not. Okay, that. But if the the Christian life is not like that, where you, you know, where it's all predestined, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in your Christian life is dependent on what you end up doing with it. 
Are you going to take that sword of the Spirit? Are you going to take? Are you going to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? What are you going to do? And if you'll do these things that God commanded, you'll be ready. And the truth is, if you have faith, if you really do trust God, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, you know what? There's a devil out there that's going to throw some fiery darts at me. Since I trust God, I'm going to get that shield of faith. I'm going to get that sword of the Spirit. I'm going to learn my Bible so I know how to combat these things because I trust God and He promised that in the world I would have tribulation. So I'm going to get ready. So um, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. So you've got to remove those causes of doubts. Also, you need to keep your eyes on Christ. And I know we often just say these things. They don't, they don't even mean anything to us. But Jesus, uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, and I showed you before how we, you've got to have faith. All right, you've got to be trusting in God. You've got to have that shield of faith. Well, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? It means that we've got we've got to keep our eyes on Him. We got to trust Him. He's the one writing the story. All right, He's the author. So if we're staying close to Him, if our eyes are on Him, we're going to know that we're all right. Even if we're in the midst of the battle. We know that God wants us to have victory. We know that, okay? God, Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We know from the Word of God that it's part of His plan that we will have battles. And did you know it's also a part of His plan that we be victorious in that battle? So, when we find ourselves in the middle of a battle... What we don't want to do is get to looking at the enemy that we're surrounded by. Because if we do, we're going to, we're going to get scared. We're going to start having doubts. Lord, look at all, look at all these challenges I have in my life. Look at all these things that I'm up against. I can't defeat these things, but wait a minute. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. And we know our author wants to have a happy ending to that story. He wants to have an ending where we win. So whatever you do, when you find yourself Man, how am I going to get out of this situation? You know what we ought to do? We ought to look at Jesus Christ. Hey, you're the one writing the story. I want to see how you finish this thing. I want to see how you... I can't do that. How, How are you going to get me out of this? And the writers always do. Isn't it like that on television too? You know, Superman always wins. You know, even when he's got the kryptonite on him and all that stuff. We've all seen that movie a thousand times. Alright? But what do we what do we often do when you watch those things? Boy, how's the author going to get them out of this one? You know? Hey, that was some pretty clever story writing right there, right? Okay? And sometimes they like to throw in a twist and you know the good guy loses. But you know what? That's not how Jesus works. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So when you do, if you find yourself in a situation that you can't win, you've got to understand what you're going through. Jesus Christ is the author of it. And just quit looking at your cha- the challenge and just start looking at Him and say, I want to see what God's going to do on this thing. I'm anxious to see how He finishes this thing because you know what? I'm lost in the storyline here. I don't see a way out of this situation. But you know what? The author, the guy who knows the end from the beginning... He's not worried about it, and so I guess I don't need to worry about it either. But sometimes you feel like when you're in those situations, wow, this would make a really good movie. This would make a really intense movie. This is a nail-biter. Uh, this is a nail-biter, but you know what? We're always going to get through it. 
And so you just got to have faith and just trust it. Keep your eyes on Christ. Ignore the things that distract from Him. And we're not going to take time to go there, but remember the story of Peter walking on the water. When he was looking at Jesus, he was fine. He was walking on the water. When he starts looking at the waves, when he starts looking at the wind and all that stuff, then he sinks. But then he says, Lord, save me. He looks at Jesus again. Jesus grabs him and then you know what it is? He's back on top of the water again and they walk back to the boat. But when he got distracted was when he got in trouble. And when people fall out, when they, when they flop out, when they fail on God, it's because they lost that shield of faith and they got hit with the fiery dart. They lost that shield of faith when they quit looking at the author and finisher of their faith. Where do I get that shield from? How do I find that shield? You know what you do? You look at Jesus Christ. You put your trust in Him and He'll help you get through those things. Look at Luke chapter 24 and verse 5. It says, and as, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? This is the angels talking when they came to the tomb. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. All of a sudden, here they are. They're devastated. They're thinking somebody's taken their Lord. They're already at a low point because they thought he was dead. And they're thinking now somebody's stolen his body. They're all upset. But you know what they need? What they needed at that point when they were low is they needed a reminder of his words. And when they remembered those words, they're like, wait a minute. This is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And all of a sudden their faith is renewed. And you know how we get our faith renewed? We remember his words. That's why we got to be reading our Bible. That's why you need to be memorizing your Bible because you're going to find yourself in those situations many times where you're surrounded by battles, you're surrounded by challenges, and you know what you need to do? You need to remember His words. Well, how are you going to remember something you never heard before? How are you supposed to recall a passage that you never read? That's why we need to be in the Bible. That way we know His words so when we find ourselves in these positions, whenever we find ourselves being persecuted and the devil comes along and says, man, you're doing all these things for Christ and you're just getting persecuted. You poor thing. God's forgotten about you. That's where we say, you know what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus said, yeah, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Hey, these people all hate me. You know, the devil's like, man, everybody hates you. And we start feeling sorry for ourselves. You know what we do? We remember the words of the Lord Jesus and said, the world cannot hate you, but me hateth. And then that's when we say, you know, all of a sudden now we don't take it personal anymore. Now we don't get all lifted up with self and get lifted up with pride. And we say, you know what? It's not me they hate. It's Jesus they hate. And you know what it does to me when I realize that, hey, it's not me they hate. It's Jesus they hate. That actually gets me back in a fighting mood. Hey, these people hate my Savior. That gets my dander up a little bit. Okay, if I hate you, that'll probably make that'll give you a good cause to feel sorry for yourself. All right, you might get mad, want to fight back, but if I just went up, you know, if I just went up to one, if I went up to Brother West, I said, Brother West, I hate you. All right, it'll do one two things. It'll either make him mad or it might just make him feel bad. In the long run, it'll eventually make him feel bad. But if I go up to him and I say, I hate your wife, now a fight's on. All right. Okay, when you are going after the one they love, 
You're not, that's, not, that's not when you sit, in the, and if he did sit in the corner and suck his thumb and pout, that's pretty pathetic at that point when I'm hating his wife. And the truth is, when we remember the words of the Lord and the world's coming at us and the devil's telling us they hate you, no, you know what it does? It, we remember his words and we all of a sudden it lights a fire under us. Say, hey, they don't hate me. They hate my Lord. You know what? The fight is on now. The fight is on. I'm ready to come out swinging now. And so we've got to remember his words and we've got to trust it. Okay, right now I'm in the middle of the situation right now. Right now I'm in, I'm in that dark hour. But you know what? He's promised he's going to get me out of this. He's the author and finisher of my faith. And so you know what? I'm just going to trust his word. That's what I'm going to do. And it'll help us get through it. That will, these things, this is what's going to help our heart. Okay, how is God supposed to show Himself strong in our life if we never have any challenges? If it's all just smooth sailing and all just easy going? Okay, and we all do, we say, you know, Lord, I want you to show yourself strong in me. Alright, well then I need to give you a giant to fight. Ooh, wait a minute, that's not what I signed up for. You know, I thought you were just going to make me look really good somehow. No, God's going to want us to fight a battle. We need to think about that. So look at Ephesians 4.13. What we've got to do is we've got to ignore ourselves and our abilities. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He understood where he got his strength from. Paul himself, we see no evidence that he thought much of himself as a person, especially physically. We see him talking about how he had a thorn in his flesh that he wanted the Lord to remove. He had infirmities. He had things that worked against him physically. But yet, Paul did amazing things because he understood the source of his strength was not his physical body, but it came from Jesus Christ. And so because of that, he was, God was able to use him. Paul had a perfect heart towards the Lord and God showed himself very strong in Paul's life. Because he understood where his strength comes from. So we don't need to worry about our weakness. We don't need to be like Moses. Turn over to Exodus chapter 3. And I'm t- when I'm talking about Moses early, when God first called him and wanted to use him, look what it says. Thankfully, Moses got over it. But Exodus 3.10 says, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly, I will be with thee. Okay, and He said, I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee when I have set thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. God tells Moses, Moses, I want you to do a big task. And Moses says, who am I? And he wasn't putting on a humble act. He meant it. And listen, Moses was right. Moses had no ability to do a deliverance like this. He had no ability at all. And God didn't come to Moses and just say, all right, Moses, here's some superpowers, all right? God did the miracle with the serpent and stuff, but the thing is, it wasn't Moses that did that. I guarantee you, after Moses made that, you know, God made that uh, staff turn into a serpent right there, I'm sure, I'm reading, in the, I'm reading between the lines here, I'm not trying to add the Scripture, I'm sure there was probably a few times between Mount Sinai there and when he went to Egypt where Moses threw his staff on the ground. And it didn't work. You know? I don't know, maybe that's just me. I think that probably happened more than once. Remember how God had him put his hand in his clothes and it came out and it was leprous and he put it back in again and then it was clean? 
he was probably afraid to ever put it back in there again after that. Afraid it might come out leprous and not go back to normal again. I don't know. I'm just, I probably would have done that. I probably would have done that. So I'm not, so, you know, I, it's clear. God didn't give Moses superpowers. God just did something really good that day. Moses still had his problems that he had. But look at what it says in Exodus 4. Let's jump down to 4. So Moses, he's kind of arguing with God about this. And in verse 10, it says, And Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Here he is talking about himself again. I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. He's like, Lord, you haven't changed me. Lord, you haven't fixed. Since you started talking to me, I'm still having speech problems. So Lord, where's my superpowers? Is pretty much what he's saying. Lord, you have not increased my abilities right now. I'm still the same thing that I was when you started talking to me. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? He's like, Lord, Lord's saying, Moses, I made you just like I wanted you. That's what God's saying right here. So now therefore go, I will be with thy mouth and will teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, Oh my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? And I know that he, shall, he can speak well. And also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak in him and put, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what thou shalt do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto thy people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law and said to him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt. So he finally ends up, he ends up uh, going. He ends up doing what God said. But this was, this was making God angry. One of the times when Moses argued, what God ended up saying to him was, Didn't I say I would be with you? Didn't I say I would be with you? So you know what God is saying right here? What do you have to be worried about? I'm with you. But the reason Moses was worried is because he was still looking at himself. That was why he was worried. He was looking at himself. And God has promised He'll be with us. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So if we find ourselves in a situation where we're worried or we're saying, I can't do that, you know what that means? It means we're thinking about ourselves. It means we're focusing on ourselves. And that insults God. He says, I'll be with thee. Okay? If you were, if you found yourself, maybe if somebody came to you, one of you came to me. If one of my kids came and said to me, hey, there's this guy who said he's going to beat me up. And I went and I told him, well, you know what? You don't have to worry about it. I'll be with you. I'll go with you. And then he's like, no, dad, I don't think you can take this guy. And I go and it's just some weak, skinny little wimp. I'm like, really? You were afraid that I wouldn't be able to take care of that for you? That's going to be an insult to me. All right. And I'm not the strongest guy in the world. All right. But there are some things I can handle. Well, here we have a God who is all powerful and he said he's going to be with us. And then when we are still scared, what are we saying about God? We're saying, Lord, we think that's bigger than you. It's an imagination. It's something that we have put in a place above God. What an insult that is to God. 
We can pretend, well, I'm just being humble and saying I can't do these things. Well, that's what Moses was probably trying. But no, you are insulting God when you are worried about an obstacle that's in your life. It's an insult to God and you think God's going to use you then? You know what I'll probably do if one of my boys did that and it is just some skinny little homo guy or something? I'm going to tell my boys, you didn't think I could handle that? You know what? I'm going to let you fight him all by yourself. You need, you need, to, learn, you know, you need to learn how to handle some things if, that, if, that's how you, if that's how you are, and then after, if that guy beats him up, then I'll go beat him up after that. You know? but, and that's how God is sometimes. God, God often would let the children of Israel get defeated because they wouldn't trust Him. But then because those people touched God's people, you know what God ended up doing? God would end up going and destroying them later. Fine, I'll go take care of them later. I wanted to have you do it. I wanted to do it with you. But you wouldn't trust me, so now I'm going to go do it by myself after I let them beat up on you. That's exactly what God did with Israel many times. So we've got to ignore ourselves. We've got to ignore our abilities. We've got to trust in the Lord. And we've got to just remember who is with us. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4 says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Who's he doing? What's he doing? Same thing Moses did. Pointing at himself. Know who didn't do that was David. David didn't do that when he fought Goliath. David never talked about himself. David didn't get up and tell tell Goliath when Goliath's making fun of him, Hey, have you ever seen what I can do with the slingshot? He didn't do that. You know what he said? He said, The battle is the Lord's. You defied God. You're in trouble with God. David understood that, and that's why David won that battle. David didn't worry about himself. For Jeremiah 1.7, But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go, um, go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee, deliver thee. Why did God bring up faces? Can anybody's face do anything to anybody? Well, some faces probably could. But no, listen. A face cannot physically hurt somebody, alright? But what is it that we do? Alright? We just get intimidated. Oh, did you see the way that person looked at me? They hate me. They're probably going to do something to me. Once again, our imaginations. Our imaginations go crazy and we let people control us with their face. Okay? I refuse to give people Jedi powers over me. You know, where they're able to just control me with their mind or whatever. I refuse to do that. Okay? That's foolish. And I'm not going to let people control me with their face. Alright? Go ahead and make your dirty looks all you want. I'll just preach harder. If, that, if, if that's how it's going to be. So be not afraid of their faces. His imaginations. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put words in thy mouth. God's showing Jeremiah, Hey, I'm working through you. I'm with you. You're going to be fine. Yeah. You've got your problems. You've got your issues. But I'm with you. I'll give you the strength. I'll help you do the things that you're supposed to do. Just remember who's with you. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do unto me. God wants us to be bold. Why? Not because we're strong, but because the Lord is my helper. Hey, i got somebody working with me on this one. I've got the Lord working with me on this one. So we can be, we can be really bold. You know, and don't take this the wrong way. I think it's okay for us to almost, for lack of a better term, get a little cocky. 
as long as you realize that strength is not in you, it's in God. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of whatever we want to give. And we should be bold and we should have an attitude. You know what? We can do all things through Christ. And you know what? This is the attitude I want you to have. And this is the attitude I want us to have going into year 8 of Liberty Baptist Church is that you know what? The Lord is looking for a church to show Himself strong in. Churches are dying all over this country. They're dying all over. They're dying in this town. I was... Since we, since we have started this church, there's been two Baptist churches that have closed their doors. There's been many other churches that have closed their doors. Some of the churches, I'm glad they closed their doors, like that Shalom Assembly of Yahweh, the Hebrew roots, the, the Kingdom Hall, shut their doors, amen? And you know what? There's a few other churches around here, I'm hoping they shut their doors, and I'm hoping we end up opening those doors up and taking over their buildings. That's what I'm praying for. And you know what? The Lord wants to show this town that, hey, you know what? He's still, he's still working. And it's not, he's not done with Rock Falls. You know what? I believe God wants to use our church to show other fundamental Baptist churches in Illinois that, you know what? Revival is still a real thing. That it's still happening. I believe God wants us to set the example. I believe God wants to use it, and not just in Illinois, in the United States, God wants to use us. God wants to show Himself strong. He wants to do some mighty things. But folks, last thing we need is me getting up and preaching a sermon and saying, you know, we need to do this. We need to go evangelize the world. We need to go start churches. And then all you just be like, oh, we can't do that. We can't do it. Why not? Is that not God's will for us to get the gospel to the lost world? Is it not God's will for us to be starting churches? These things, we already know these things are God's will. So why not just say, you know, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that and be bold, trusting in God. Make, get our heart right. And if you're not feeling that way, if right now you're hearing this and you're saying, Brother Tommy, that can't be us. Brother Tommy, in the next year, we cannot grow this place and go take over one of these other dead churches that are closing their doors. You know, you know, we, we can, if, if that is your attitude, you know what you need to do? You need to go home and you need to give your brain a bath tonight. You need to purify your mind. You need to cast down these imaginations. You need to stop watching the junk on the news. You need to stop listening to the people in the world. You need to stop listening to the faithless on social media. You need to start doing like the Bible says to do and just trust the Word of God. That's what you need to do. And if you do that, and if you get your heart right, you know what? Whenever the Lord's looking around, He's going to see... He's going to see this church. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, my hand's up. My hand's up and I'm saying, Lord, I want you to use me. Lord, I want you to use our church. Alright? And I want us to get His attention. I want us to say, hey, I want Him to see our hand up. And when He does, you know, first thing He's going to do, He's going to look at our hearts. Are their hearts right? And if our hearts aren't right, He's not going to use us. He's not going to use us. So you know what? Let's get our hearts right. Let's start working on our hearts. Let's start putting these things into practice. And when we find ourselves, and if we do that, just remember, if you raise your hand, first thing we're going to get to Goliath. That's the first thing that's going to happen. And when Goliath comes, and when we find ourselves in a situation where we're surrounded, you know what we're going to do? We're going to learn from the Word of God, and we're not going to look at the enemy that's out there. We're going to look at the author and finisher of our faith and say, well, Lord, you put us in the middle of a really good story. Lord, this is, this is a tough one. I've been watching real close trying to figure out how you're going to get us out of this one, but 
I ain't figured out. I'm just, I'm just going to watch and see what you do. And then all of a sudden, man, the Lord now, we're ready to be used. Because you know what? When He fights that battle and when He wins, the last thing we're going to do is be taking credit for it. Last thing I'm going to do is do like some of these preachers and these revival fires conferences I've been to. You go there. I, every time I ever hear Jeff Fugate, he's built this great big church. Every time I hear him preach, every time he spends the whole sermon talking about himself. And I like the guy and a lot of things about him, but you know what? I don't like him so much I want to hear him talk about himself for an hour. I'd rather, you know, if what's going on in your church is really is of God, shouldn't you be talking about the one who really did it? Shouldn't you be talking about Jesus? I'm sick of hearing about you. I'm sick of seeing your face all over everything. Seeing you constantly promote yourself. I want to hear you talk about Christ. And I want to hear you mention His name more than you say, I, me, myself. And that is how, that is all I hear from some of these places. And it, you know what? It makes me want to throw up. And how do you think it makes God feel when He's the one that did it all? And if I do, if that person was one to beat up one of my boys, I go out there and my boy's watching and I just go and I just beat the tar out of the guy like nothing. And then I hear him, yeah, you should have seen what I did to that guy. Really? I'm the one that did that. I'm not going to appreciate that very much. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let another one come along. And I'm going to let them take care of business. And then maybe I'll start getting my credit. That's exactly what God does. So let's get our heart right. There's a heart that God is looking for. It's clear what it is in the Bible. God wants people relying on Him. And if we will get our hearts right, we will be in that position. And I, I pray that that will be the heart of everyone here. I know, it's, I know it's in my heart. I believe it's in the heart of everyone here. But if there's, if there's some things in the way, I think all of us, myself included, there's some things that we could work on to help clean our hearts up. I know I want to volunteer, but I do. We've all got these things. Let's get busy. Let's work on these things so God can show Himself strong. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You that You want to use us, dear God. And I pray, Lord, that we will have that volunteering spirit. But Lord, I pray we'll realize that there's some things You expect of us. And I pray that each of us, we will work on our hearts. That we will get our hearts right. That we will... Uh, get it the way you want. And Lord, when that first battle comes, Lord, I pray that we won't cower in a corner and start crying right away. But Lord, we'll get excited because we know you're about to do something really great. And Lord, we already know what you will do. And we pray we just won't get in the way. And Lord, we just pray, ask for your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.